0: Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net So, I must say, I'm... uh, Loving grandchildren. Uh, We're very blessed. You might have seen Ruth and I um, whipping out our phones and filming the little grandies because little Havelock is old enough now. He's walking around the place. His dad's on the drums. He's like, ah, go up and see his dad. And then then he sort of get into the worship without, you know, like you see little kids clapping. They've got no idea of the beat. He's singing without any tune. It's really funny. Um, And uh, we're just enjoying that and seeing... um, The kids, and of course as grandparents, the contract is we don't do any discipline, do we? It's like all we do is spoil them, play with them, feed them whatever we like and then give them back. Yeah. And let the sugar run through the system and see what it... And um, so the other thing I'm loving is the payback because I'm seeing our kids now having to, you know, do the discipline because the little ones are starting to grow up and exert their will. I'm like, yes, it's about time, you know. So, (laughs) (laughs) Because, um, you know, as uh, parenting, as, as much as we love our kids, it's not just about providing encouragement, affirmation provision and protection it does require some instruction some training some direction and um, look I'm sure I've shared this story probably too many times but I just do have this sweet memory of all four kids in the back seat of the car because back in the day we could have uh, four seat belts in a in a normal car this you know these days of course every child has to have a nasa designed capsule that could withstand a airplane crash you know until they're the age of 18 that takes up three quarters of the car so you know you've got to buy a bus if you have more than two kids because you can't fit them in they're all going to be in these great big plastic capsules <laughs> but you know so, i mean go, hey going way back when i was in you know a kid i remember my little brother just bouncing my baby brother bouncing around the back seat in the bassinet and mum's just saying, hey, hold him still, will you? you know, and maybe they put a seatbelt over it. You know, they just have these cane bassinet things and you just put them, your hey, back seat. I can remember sleeping on the back shelf of the car on long trips. And, uh, and so when we were in Russia, when Eleanor was a baby, um, we, you know, thought, it was really hard because we couldn't find a car seat, couldn't get a capsule for it, and she was just. But then we just went, yeah, we'll just go 70 style, and she just bounced around the little Eva as so we went around all those terrible roads that were there in the time. But of course, in modern days, we have all the capsules. And then when our kids were little, they all had to have seat belts. But as I said, we had them all four in the back seat at one point, and we couldn't afford a people mover at that point. We we eventually got one, um, but of course, they'd fight uh and scratch around they're all and I can remember once just having to race back I think I had left home and then I had to race back to get something I'd forgotten so I pulled into the driveway and I just said um right I'll be back in a minute nobody move and I ran inside the house and I've got what I had to do. I came back and I looked in the back seat and I noticed Luke who I think three of my four children natural born children are here today and and uh, Luke's um out at Orange, maybe watching. Hi, Luke. It's a good story for you. You're lucky. Um, but I see Luke and he looked kind of awkward. He was completely still, like I mean frozen. And I, and I opened the door and I, and Luke goes, Dad, Hudson moved. <laughs> <laughs> and the poor little kid, you know, was just a literalist. He just thought, I'm going to comply. I don't know why, but Dad said, Nobody moved. So, I'm not going to move, but out of the corner of my eye, my evil big brother has moved. (laughs) And I feel compelled to at least advise father that he has not complied with the instruction. And I thought, poor, poor little kid. And I had to, you know, I I just wanted to laugh my head off, you know. Oh, thank you, Luke. All right, Hudson. Okay, here. (laughs) Luke, Luke, I mean, you know, don't kill each other. But anyway, so that was uh, Luke taking instructions on board to the letter. Um, And so to God and us, back to the Bible, um, the word is full of encouragement for us. uh, It's full of promises of God's blessing and provision and protection. And it's full of wisdom that you can glean to apply to your everyday decision-making. It's full of revelation about God, about life, about the plans and purposes that God has for you. Full of history that you can learn from. Full of prophecy that you can see what God's intending to do in the future. And it's also full of commandments and directions and instructions. And uh, sometimes we might want to avoid some of those sections uh, because it's telling us basically what to do, what you should do how to adhere to God's rules. I don't like that because I'm a free spirit. You know, I'm an an individual. So let's just go to the bit that tells me God loves me just the way I am. Well, they're there too, but to read the Bible in its entirety, to take on board everything that God has for us, for our good, to read all the scripture, uh, then it will include seeing directions, seeing instructions for us, which we're going to look at today. And just let me mention, I've said this before, I've read the Bible from cover to cover a number of times, you don't have to read it that way, but it is good to make sure that you're not just picking the the Psalms that encourage you, or the, the passages that you keep returning to, so I've read the Bible in a year, it's a bit of a wild ride, it's very fast, and the moment I'm about to finish reading it in two years, and next year I'm going to start reading it in three years, so if you'd like to join me, you can easily download a little, or find a version of just starting in Genesis, and it's... I'm really really looking forward to it because it won't be like five chapters a day. It'll just, you know, be enough to attend to daily reading, hearing from God, but it's only going to be about a chapter a day for, you know, the next few years. So anyway, what I want to look at today is not a whole chapter. It's actually just two verses, less than 20 words, but it's got five simple, clear statements of instruction from God. Five things to do that God tells us in these few words. And it's found, God, I, I, you know when you're reading the Bible, and you, especially when you've got a Bible reading program, but you can't get beyond or you keep going back to this verse? It's like God is speaking to you. Uh, wow. So this really landed on my heart a little while ago. 1 Corinthians 16, uh, verse 13. And it simply says, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. So notice all the verbs, be and do. Be this and do that. <laughs> it's quite clear, isn't it? There's no avoiding it. It's like, okay, yes, you. He's talking straight to you. Do this and be like this. Oh, okay. So, um, and notice this is at the end of the letter that Paul had written. So he's got closing remarks that he's really wanting to be attended to. Um, and it's also not just Paul's personal opinion or convictions. This is written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this is God speaking through the scribe, Paul, um, but speaking to the church and not just to the church of Corinth 2,000 years ago, but of course to us today because that's how God's given us the Bible. And so let's take it that way and have a look and see what we should do. Firstly, be on your guard. Or maybe your translation says be watchful or be awake, be vigilant, be alert, About what? What do we have to be watchful for? What do we have to be guarding against? Well, of course, we have an enemy. The devil is real. And uh, he hates us because he hates God and people are God's greatest creation. And uh, the Bible says that he comes to steal, kill and destroy. So he is out to attack people in all kinds of ways. And we have to be on guard. And of course, it's easy to just think of the devil as, oh no, that's just a... Figment of people's imagination, or it's a cartoon character, or it's, yeah, really, it's a, or, or, or it's like filling someone's imagination so much that it's unhealthy. And so we, we re- recoil against that because you we think, well, I don't want to see a devil behind every, you know, chip fingernail and think that he's out all the time. So there's a, there's a balance, but of course we want to make sure that we're not so blase that we don't, that we forget his. That he's, that he's there, that he actually is against God's people. And, uh, and so again, it's not in every situation that you face in life to blame the devil because you get a flat tire or whatever, um, but there are ways that he does really attack God's people. For example, here's just a few, uh, discouragement. You know, he will sow thoughts in your mind that if you let them take a hold can lead you down a trail of feeling down and even depressed away from the joy of the Lord, away from a position of hope and positivity and joy because the devil knows that a depressed Christian is not an effective Christian for the work of God. If you're feeling really down, you're not going to leap out of bed and just go, I'm going to seek the Lord, pray press into the presence of God, carry that presence to work, witness to people, Woohoo! I'm full of life. No, if you're really beaten up and down, you're not thinking of other people. You're not useful for, for engaging with others and, and doing all that God has for you and for the benefit of others. And so he will try and sow thoughts that get people to consider the negative of their current circumstances, to to, to go down a trail, as I said, that, you, you know, one thought in itself isn't the, isn't the big deal, but it can start to steal your joy and drag you down. And so we need to have some discipline uh, to seek God regardless of your feelings. Because I've proven this, and maybe you have too, that if you only ever pray and read the Word and press into God's presence when you feel like it, <laughs> it's just not going to be enough. You can get distracted, you can get all kinds of stuff that will come in your way. You say, oh, I haven't got the time to, I'm rushed or I'm upset. or yeah. But if you have a discipline to, regardless of your feelings, go into God's presence, read the word, pray, you will find after 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, that depression is lifting. Those negative thoughts, they are being dealt with. They are going way back there because you're getting full of, of God's word, God's instruction, God's revelation, God's goodness. Oh, hello. And the devil's like, go oh, they got that spring in their step again. And that's exactly where we need to be on guard, yeah, to not let the devil get us down in that way and get depressed and discouraged. The other thing he tries to do is, he, of course, he sows discord and disunity amongst people. Marriages, churches, business, work, relationships, friendships. He hates people getting on well because, again, we're good team members doing God's will and getting great productive business plans together or creative projects fulfilled all that but if you can get people separated we're not so good when we're isolated and uh and again we can be you know lonely and get down uh and um uh, Hudson was sharing uh, yesterday at the Men's Breakfast about psychologists saying people who have had suicidal thoughts, one of the earlier questions they ask is, have you talked to anyone about this? And if someone says no, the concerns for those that are doing the, the, the you know, health assessment go right up. But if someone says, no, I've shared this with someone, then that means that they're, they're much more likely to get through this drama that they're facing. Um, oh, I meant to show a photo about the men's breakfast. We had this great gathering. Oh, there we are. There it is. This is a failure of a military team-building exercise that Captain Browning brought to us. Um, Complete abysmal failure, Um, but um, uh, (laughs) it was an attempt. If you do it right, only hands touch the ground. No feet touch the ground. Um, But anyway, you can't do that on Zoom, can you? You can't fail miserably like that on Zoom. (laughs) Ha-ha! That's why it's always better to be together. All right. Thank you, NSC. All right. So, um, uh, you know, so, yeah, we've got to be aware uh, that the devil is trying to get us to withdraw from other people, from disconnect from relationships and fight for the unity, especially among the brethren in God's family. And, of course, the devil tempts us towards sin. Notice that you're not sinning if you're tempted. But temptation can lead towards sin. And the devil can't make you sin, but he can tempt you. He does a very good job of it in all different ways. Um, James has something to say about this. Can we just quickly see that passage in James 1.13? Look, when tempted, no one should say, God's tempting me. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does God, nor does he tempt anyone, but... Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then look what happens. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And then sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. And then, go on, that's it. Right, okay, (laughs) that's enough. Uh, Yeah, we can't get much worse than death. Um, We've arrived at that. See the progression? We've all got evil desire. There's not a lot you can do about that. You can get born again and you get forgiven. Actually, there's a lot you can do about it. You can get born again you get forgiven. That's really cool. You get forgiven, but you don't get forgiven for your evil desire. There will always be, read Paul the Apostle, great Christian as he was. Read Romans 6 and 7. You know, he had his struggles. So we've got a, a sin nature. Um, but then look what happens. So we've got a propensity to sin, but it's not sin in itself. But then enticement comes from the devil. So you get a thought. One thought is not sin, right? But what you do with that thought is important. So this is, again, if you're not on guard, that thought doesn't get dealt with. Oh, and it leads to another thought. Oh, you entertain that thought. Oh, maybe. Oh, oh. and there's something attractive that isn't going to be good, but it seems like it's good. So maybe you're thinking, oh, they won't notice that thing at work if I take that. It's, oh, I might just... I'll just take I'll, I'll just take that well that's stealing, but yeah, I don't want to think about it that way you know or maybe I won't forgive that person and reconcile or just let it go. maybe I'll really harbor that yeah, and that thought starts eating away you feel, yeah' I'm really I, yeah, I'm resenting and you're feeling unkind and, and thinking I'm going to say that I'm going to say that angry word that's going to make me feel better, I'm going to get back it and I'm going to spit that out of the you know and, and so little things can develop into bigger things that end up as you see this progression, the thought, the whatever it might be, goes then it says the, de- the desire conceives. So it's like having a baby and then it gives birth. So the sin now is real. It's actually occurred just like a baby coming into the world. And then it says if, if sin is allowed to fully grow, then it leads us to death. So we're l- really led away from God. I read recently in the Eternity newspaper, Christian newspaper, about a woman who uh, lied, hello, you know, like a lot of people do, but 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 she started lying to Centrelink because she found that if she could just fudge a few things, she could get a little bit more money. Then she got this thought, what if I say I'm sick? They'll give me even more money. So then she ended up saying that she had cancer, even though she didn't, and then and she was going through cancer treatment. So she got all these benefits sent to her for therapy for cancer, which just wasn't the case, until she got found out. She got charged, convicted for fraud, and sent to jail for quite some time because it was thousands and thousands of dollars. Fortunately, in jail, she had a Christian come and visit her, witness to her, give her a Bible, lead her to the Lord. So now she's out of jail, and she's following God's will, telling the truth, and so it's a great redemptive story. But interesting that... Right, and she even said, and I didn't keep the quote, but she said something like, "If only I had stopped at that early point of being tempted to lie." You know, I'm paraphrasing, you know, that uh, to suit my message. She said nothing like that at all. I'm just making it up. But um, no, 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 she did say something along these lines, of saying, "If I had just nipped it in the bud, so to speak, earlier on, and that progression had not occurred." And so, for you, okay, it may not be lying and cheating the government out of money, but there, you know, there, there's some things that can come our way. And of course, we were on guard; we can stop the temptation going any further. Yeah. So the next one: stand firm, or persevere. Some translations say, "stand firm in the faith," because we have a great faith in a great God. And if you want to live for Christ, you will face opposition. That you have to stand firm against, to the point that if you aren't facing any opposition, if you have no problems, uh, you must question then how firm you are standing in your faith. Because maybe you're no threat to the enemy. He's like, "Leave that one alone. (laughs) He's not doing anything," you know. Uh, And so, um, you know. But people who live for God, who pursue God's will and pursue God's call on their life, will have problems. And so that's a a positive way of looking at them. You know, this is aha. Uh, You know, the devil's throwing stuff at you, and you realize, well, that's okay because we're just trying to do something. And you know this if you've ever tried to start or be involved in a ministry that is important for God. That God, you know, you get it, we've got this great vision, great idea. We go for it. It isn't always a bed of roses. Things happen. Oh, man, we're trying to get this done. It's God's will. Yeah, but there's opposition trying to get this property, the stories. I, they, they interviewed me for the radio program this week, little snippets because of Remo Re, uh, FM are um, doing their uh, appeal for funds in November and they want to move to new premises. He said I'll get some stories of people who have had good stories of God's provision and I shared a little bit about our 101 story here and just you know, how God led us and all that, but what I didn't share a lot of was all the, the tears and the sweat and the stuff that went on uh, as well. Uh, so there are some difficulties, but that's okay because what do you want? A comfortable life? That's not your best life, right? Best life of purpose is not always comfortable because we're called to an army. An army goes out on the battlefield and some people just go, I don't like this, and they retreat from behind the front lines and they go from a battlefield to a clover field, a field of flowers and just, you know, crash out and relax. And, of course, there are times when we're doing it tough and we'll, you know, get looked after, but um, at our best we're actually on the front lines. Um, And it's sad when people just give up on the fight and, uh, you know, tiptoe through the tulips so to speak cuz rather than you know on the battlefield cuz you can do that in australia you can set up a comfortable life but it's falling short of god's great call and destiny um you've heard the phrase band of brothers right um, it was uh, used as the title of a really cool um mini series what 10 15 years ago i think it was it uh, some famous guy made it and and uh no doubt famous people were in it. Hudson knows all about it. He watched it about a million times as a teenager. It was just on loop all the time. I didn't know you could wear out DVDs, but I think these DVDs just ground down to nothing eventually. Hudson loved it. Um, so it's based on the true story of Americans landing in uh, D-Day and fighting in World War II. Um, but, of course, the phrase originated from a, the play Henry V by William Shakespeare, uh, also based on true events the Battle of Argincourt, one of England's great uh, victories against the French. Sorry, Edgar. Um, (laughs) But that's okay, because it was a hundred years war, so they took it in turns, because they couldn't make up their minds about who was going to be king from which side of the channel, and they, you know, what the history of England and France is is like pretty crazy. Um, So, you know, in this famous battle in the early 1400s, Um, Shakespeare's writing about it in the play, and uh, the English were vastly outnumbered, but he has Henry V give this rousing speech, and I'm going to read some of it, I'll get my best Shakespearean presentation on, the the battle was fought on St Crispin's Day, which he refers to, and he's stirring the men who are going to put their lives on the line to fight for their country. Uh, stirring him up with this and he says this day is called the feast of Crispian he that outlives this day and comes safe home will stand a tiptoe when the day is named and rouse him at the name of Crispian he that shall live this day and see old age will yearly on the vigil feast his neighbors and say tomorrow is St Crispian then will he strip his sleeve and show his scars and say these wounds I had on Crispin's day. This story shall the good man teach his son, and Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. For he, be he never so vile, this day shall Gentle his condition, and gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed that they were not here and hold their manhoods cheap whilst any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. <laughs> okay, you can read that for yourself, and maybe with Shakespeare, you've got to read it four times to understand it. But, uh, you know, basically saying the guys that miss out on this are really missing out, even if you die today it's so much better than missing out on this opportunity. And that speech is, you know, been used many times, snippets of it in different ways. It was so stirring. They had Laurence Olivier deliver it to the British people in World War II to guard them and stir them up against Hitler and the Nazis. And I just love it when I... Think about that and read that. And, of course, uh, what's his name? Did it in Braveheart. Similar kind of steel. You know, freedom and, you know, and sort of uh, wouldn't you be glad to be out here on the battlefield? And, uh, and that spirit of fighting for a great cause should be in the heart of every Christian rather than just running from the fight and saying, well, I just want to get a nice house and go to the beach on the weekends and I just want to have a nice We Come on. We got to, there's, a, there's a great cause You know, and it's not against the boss or the government or the guy who cuts you off on the freeway to work or the person that's complaining about you. No, no, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We've been enlisted in God's army to fight a spiritual battle. And it is a great battle. It is the good fight of faith because we win and Jesus has promised victory, but we've got to be on the battlefield. And so uh, it is for the cause of Christ to promote Jesus in the world and to face that opposition and stand up and keep going against it. Amen? All right. Look at the next one. Be courageous. Well, you're going to need that if you're going to fight the good fight of faith. Traditionally, if you read your King James Bible, anyone got a King James Bible, it says, Quit ye like men. Oh, it's not not very 21st century, is it? Or act manly. Isn't that your school motto? Do the manly thing or something? The, the school that you work for? Yeah, oh, are they, and they've taken it from this scripture. Yeah, right. Um, well, I don't know if Knox is ever going to let girls go to join your school, are they? Do the manly thing. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the original Greek is one word, andronicus, which just goes to show that God loves coffee because... I don't know if it's an old-fashioned brand. It was around a lot when I was a kid. And so, you know, biblical scholars tell us, obviously, this is prophecy. Of course, coffee wasn't discovered until the 1500s, but it's prophetic. It's, uh, all right, I digress and joke. Right. But, um, you know, 20 years ago, John Eldridge wrote this great book called Wild at Heart for Men. And in it, he says, A man must have a battle to fight a great mission to his life that involves and yet transcends even home and family. He must have a cause to which he's devoted to even unto death, for this is written into the fabric of his being. That is why God created you, to be his intimate ally, to join him in this great battle. So men, not all masculinity is toxic, okay? We've got to get a hold of that and don't apologise for being a man. And ladies, you need to appreciate men can be men. And it's not all like, oh, toxic masculinity, as if men and women need to be completely the same and equal and endogenous. And it's like, no, 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 there are benefits in being a man. There are pluses and minuses too. And there's, you know, differences between the sexes. And we should celebrate them. Uh, And so there is a place for men in society to be strong, to be masculine, to be even aggressive, even angry. Ruth preached about that recently. In your anger, do not sin. Now, that doesn't mean angry on the freeway, you know, someone cutting you off or angry about trivial, silly things. But there is a place for righteous God-directed anger. Jesus showed it too. Um, And we've just got to direct it against the right enemy. And, of course, this scripture also applies to women because women also need courage. Just as much as men. In fact, even more so. Why do you think God chose women to give birth? Can you imagine if it was the way the other way around? The other way around. And God has said, ladies, you're going to help your husbands conceive. They're going to go to hospital, have a baby. It's just there wouldn't be many children in the world. It's just I'm not doing it. I'm the man flu concept. You know, like women just survive pain better. Can you imagine, blokes? We would be hopeless. I just, anyway, I just think it's amazing, you know, what what women and mothers do. So um, look at the next one, number four, be strong. Well, there you go, be strong. (laughs) No avoiding that one, isn't it? Um, But see, this is linked with courage. But notice Christian courage isn't based on stoicism, on self-determination, on just the way I am and the way I try to make myself. Because what does Ephesians 6 verse 10, I think it is, say? Be strong in the Lord. Come on, there's the key, isn't it? Because what did Paul say? When I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, then I'm a wuss. And I thought, no, no. That's humility and wisdom working with the power of God. And so we have to decide to be strong, but we don't get the strength ourselves we get it from God and some people don't make that decision they just go oh it's too much i can't do it i go and they're weak and they're still weak and that's all there is but you can be weak and then go to God and say god i can't do it but i'm seeking you but god will you help me because aha and the strength of god comes and i've sensed that you've sensed that in a moment of prayer sometimes Against the enemy's attack, you're tempted to be angry or upset or overwhelmed by this crisis or problem or the sicknesses in your family, and you ah, yeah, and you feel tempted, and you're going to go under. No, we're going to rise up and be strong, you know, like this big. Buffed, strong as he is now, temperature of four million degrees or whatever it was in Russia, couldn't get him to Finland because someone stole the plates of the car overnight. The night we were going to go to Russia, the next morning we're going to go. Sorry, we we're going to go to Finland to a doctor. God bless the Russians; they didn't have any decent medical uh, personnel available. And the the, the the doctor literally prescribed boiled grass, rub it on his chest. It was like a primitive medicinal. Uh, Honestly, I mean, you know, they're clever people, but all the cleverness was directed towards the arms race. You know, the consumer missed out. And so we were saying, right, we're going to Finland. We're getting him over the border. The next morning we get up, the number plates have been stolen. We can't get across the border. So there was nothing to do but to pray. And his temperature was like, oh, it was 40-something. It was way over. It was burning up. And I initially thought, or, oh, you know what? Initially, I thought, this is great. Hudson's really taking it easy. He's not tearing the apartment place apart. I thought, oh, look how compliant he is. How good he be. And Ruth went, babe, have you felt him? What? He's burning up. Oh, that's why he's kind of like not destroying everything. So sickness does have its advantages if you've got a psycho kid that is normally, you know, pulling the place apart when they're healthy. But, uh, but you know, the little moments like that, you may have the same ones where you had to be strong, but in the Lord. No other way to go, no other place to turn to, nothing else to rely on but the power of God, strength in God, prayer, faith in God. All right, the biggest and the best one is left to last, do everything in love. Huh. So isn't that interesting? There's all this talk of military, you know, strength and combating and all that and now love because love is God's great motivation with everything he does. And it doesn't mean it's a lack of strength or a lack of courage, it works together because love you know can be thought of in all different ways and one of them is a weak way and it's not at all weak sometimes it's much more uh, difficult and courageous to love you know than to hate. It's easy to hate you know very easy to get angry and upset and not love but God calls us to love and he says, look do." everything in love there's a lot of doing in life isn't there every day we're doing lots of things there's a lot to do um, and it's easy to do some or many of those things without love Oh, and right I'll do this one with love oh but I've got to do all these things so I'm not going to do that lovingly because that's a pain and that person's a pain I'm, sorry that was just a general finger it was just it just happened to go in your direction Frost sorry total coincidence um, but, you know, but do everything, every single thing you do. That's 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 a tall order because uh, you can have other motivations. I'll do it, but I'm doing it with, well, I'm not really being honest about it, but if I was, it's probably I'll do it with selfish ambition. I'll do it because I'm going to get something out of this. Or I'll do it with a callous regard, disregard for other people. <laughs> that's probably at the heart of some doings that go on or I'll do it with anger I'll do it with resentment I'll do it with bitterness I'll do it but imagine if we did everything with love everything was motivated by love well the world would be a better place wouldn't it and that's exactly what God did that's why he sent Jesus that's the motivation and that's the motivation behind every decision and every action that God's had with us and what he calls us to do and so there's a good challenge Uh, Because it would look a lot like the life that Jesus lived if people were motivated to do that, always. And so love is wonderful. It's amazing. I'm trying not to use the word awesome because I preached about that. It's overused. Uh, It's all through the Bible. Jesus coming to earth, teaching us how to love not just those that love us but to love everyone. The New Testament, look, I just wrote some of the phrases that New Testament constant mentions like, bear with one another in love. Walk in the way of love. Love one another deeply from the heart. goes on and on. So all these preceding instructions about being strong and having courage, they're all important. Uh, but the battle, as I said, isn't against people. It's a battle we fight against the devil, but we love people, yeah? Um, just quickly, you, know, may, you may know this, four different Greek words used in the New Testament for love. Storge, philia, eros. Storge meaning family love, uh, philia, the friendship love, eros, of course, romantic, the way we get the word erotic. But agape wasn't used in Greek language at that time very much at all, but it's used a lot in the Bible because it's unconditional love, love that people couldn't really understand. It's the love of God. It is not based on circumstances. It's a love that is beyond feelings, but to the will, yeah? And it's a choice, a decision, a powerful force in the world that God demonstrated and he puts in us and he will flow through us, agape love. So I really pray that we would have agape love filling our hearts, amen, and that we would uh, do everything with love as well as all of those other things.